Chapter 25 of the uh, Book of Bamidbar is the story of Baal Pa'ar and the story of Pinchas. The previous chapters, 22, 23, 24, were all about Bilam's blessings. As God said to Bilam in chapter 22, Don't curse them, or you cannot curse them, for they are blessed. So Bilam couldn't curse Israel. But Israel can behave in such a way that they do damage to themselves. And that's the story of chapter 25. We're now talking about the new generation, second generation, grew up in the desert. Vayeshev Yisrael Bashitim, Vayachelam Liznot El Benot Moav. When Israel was staying at Shitim, the people profaned themselves by consorting with the Moabite women. Znut, prostitution, literally straying. So it begins with promiscuity, the daughters of Moab, but then it continues, They invited the people, that's the Israelites, to sacrifices for their God. The people partook of them and worshipped that God. So Israel, attached itself Smidima bracelets. They attach themselves to Baal Pa'ar, that's an idol, idolatry, sin of idolatry, by Yicharaf Hashem be Israel in God's anger, uh, raged against Israel, God was very angry. So that's the sin of Baal Pa'ar. Now what's striking about the sin of Baal Pa'ar is that it certainly recalls an earlier story of the Torah, and that's the story of the golden calf. The golden calf also doesn't seem to begin with straight-out idolatry. The golden calf began by the people's fear and concern about the fact that Moshe had not returned back to the camp. He had ascended the mountain, but he had not returned. And the people were worried about that. And they wanted something that would replace Moshe, and they approached Aaron, make for us a god who will walk before us, for Moses the man, Moshe Ish. We don't know what happened to him. And as, as sometimes happens, what begins as a replacement for Moshe, back in chapter 32 of Exodus, turns into idolatry. So whatever the initial thinking was, someone to walk before them, a connection to God, a conduit. But uh, as often happens, the means becomes the ends, which is what idolatry is about. And uh, that's the story of the golden calf. And the golden calf consisted, Aaron makes a molten image, and it's made from, as Aaron said to the people, parkun is mayhem. Give the rings, take the jewelry, which is in the ears of your children, your wives, is mehazahav, parkun is mehazahav, in your ears, family, and the people donated the jewelry, and from that, Aaron makes the calf. So here the Torah plays with that. Because Yisrael, it didn't start off as idolatry. It started off with promiscuity. It becomes idolatry. And here the Torah plays with the word smidim, bracelets, jewelry. Here too we have bracelets or jewelry as part of the worship of the uh, idol. We find the same thing in the book of Genesis, by the way, in chapter 35, when Yaakov was going to Beit El. And Yaakov instructs the family in the beginning of Genesis, chapter 35, Hosiru el hanechar. 
Jacob said to the family, remove the, the foreign gods. That's chapter 35, verse number 2. Remove the foreign gods in your midst. Purify yourselves. And it says in verse number 4, by Yenua Yaakov, they gave to Jacob the foreign gods that they had possession of literally in their hands. And the jewelry, the rings that were in their ears. There too you have jewelry as part of the idolatrous practice. So over here we have essentially, let's call it Egil 2. It's a repeat of the Egil. And in a certain sense, one might argue, it's even worse. For two reasons. First of all, the Egil takes place shortly after the people leave Egypt. So they're still essentially slaves. They were freed from Egypt, but they were in the Egyptian culture for all those years. They haven't really had the, enough time to form their own identity to fully understand uh, what it means to have a different set of values, a different set of commandments. But this is already much later. This is, for, this is the second generation. This is 40 years later. They didn't grow up in Egypt. They grew up in the desert. So we expect better. And not only that, it happened once before. So you would think the people would learn from the mistake. So from a certain standpoint, one could say that Ego 2 was worse than Ego 1. But the difference between the idolatry of Generation 1 and Generation 2, I suggest, is not so much in the nature of the idolatry. That seems similar. But the difference is in the response. In the story of the golden calf, Moshe comes down the mountain, sees the people dancing about the calf, and Moshe cries out, Mil Hashem Eli. He, of course, he breaks the tablets, smashes the tablets. Who is for God come to me? And the Levi, the Levites, assemble and join Moshe, and there's a civil war. So Moshe instigates. Moshe is at the center of that story. What's very striking about chapter 25 is that Moshe is not the main character of the story at all. Moshe is instructed to take the ringleaders, Roshayam, in verse number 4, have them impaled before God, and then in the next verse, Moshe instructs the judges, the officials, Slay each of you, those men, Nitzmadim again, attach themselves to Baal Pahar. But then, behold, the Hinei, and the Torah tells us a story. A man from Israel came and brought near him a Midianite woman before Moshe and the whole congregation. And they're all crying. But Pinchas, the son of El Lazar, the son of Aaron the priest, Saw. He rose up, he had a, he had a uh, spear in his hand. So he follows the Israelite into the chamber, he stabs them both, he stabs the man, stabs the, man, stabs the woman, and that, the plague is then stopped. It was a magifa, which is stopped in verse number 9, and then God continues and says, Pinchas, the son of Elazar, the son of Aaron, he has turned back my wrath. So it's very striking that, first of all, Moshe is not the central figure. But the central figure is Pinchas. And Pinchas twice is described the same way. Pinchas, the son of Elazar, the son of Aaron. 
we remember that in the story of the golden calf, the one who makes the golden calf is Aaron. He does so at the instigation of the people. He does so perhaps with the idea to delay, to stall till Moshe returns. He does so with the idea that let's delay it so maybe they won't do it at all. And one can give many uh, explanations to mitigate the fact that Aaron, who becomes the high priest, is the same person who uh, constructs a golden calf. Of course, Moshe criticizes him. What, what, if, what, if, what did you do to the people? But that's a cloud that hangs over the priesthood in general, I would say. That Aaron himself, who doesn't seem to be punished at all, but Aaron made a golden calf. And now in the story over here, Pinchas, his grandson, is to receive the blessing of eternal priesthood, Priti Shalom. So the grandson, one might say, undoes what his grandfather did, and in undoing what his grandfather did, he's able to solidify firmly the priesthood. And that's the blessing to Pinchas in the continuation of the story. But the truth is that Pinchas does something else as well. We remember that in the book of Genesis, when Jacob, at the end of the book, in chapter 49, blesses his children, he talks of two children together, Shimon and Levi. Shimon v'Levi Achim, said Jacob in chapter 49 of Genesis, but their weapons are weapons of violence. I don't want to be part of their council. And then Jacob continued in chapter 49 of Genesis, Achalkem b'Yaakov b'Yisrael, I will separate and divide them. So Shimon and Levi together are trouble. Shimon and Levi were the two brothers who led the massacre of Shechem. And Jacob says in his blessings, of course, all my sons are included in the blessing, but those two have to be separated. Where do we see the separation of Shimon and Levi? So it's right here in this chapter. Pinchas is the son of Elazar, the son of Aaron, the Kohen. He's a Levi. And the one that he kills, we discover, is actually the head, Nasi, of the tribe of Shimon. That we discover later on in chapter 25, in verse number 14. So in doing so over here, he is fulfilling, of course, the blessing of Jacob, but he's also firmly establishing the priesthood, or the, the role of the Levite, the role of the Levi, which of course is the central theme in the book of Bamidbar, and it means separating from one who can cause you to do uh, things you shouldn't be doing because of a partnership that is ill-founded. So in the slaying of, of Zimri, the head of the tribe of Shimon, he's doing two things simultaneously. He's restoring the priesthood in terms of, of repairing the breach that was caused by his grandfather, but he's also strengthening the house of Levi and fulfilling Jacob's blessing. Achalkem b'Yaakov v'afitzem b'Yisrael. Shimon and Levi, individually, fine, but together, problem. And here we have the Levite slaying the head of the tribe of Shimon.